G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. Now, another thing that really shocks a lot of Jewish people when they first become acquainted with the New Covenant is how it confirms and reaffirms so much of what they know in the Old Covenant. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. In our last program, we had a conversation about the fact that there have been many so-called messiahs from many different religious backgrounds and cults throughout history. We learned what a messiah is supposed to be, and we looked at the biblical issue of the messiah and how both Judaism and Christianity both claim a future messiah. Jews and Christians use the same scriptures, but they have very different understandings of who the messiah is and isn't. And that's where we're going to pick up the conversation on this program. It's a bizarre thing, really, that you've got exactly the same scriptures, and yet... The two faiths that hold these scriptures as sacred have got a completely different end point when it comes to who the Messiah is. Mm. And and we mentioned last time that the sacred Jewish writings that Jews use to interpret scripture were written after the Middle Ages. So you're talking about around about 1,500 years ago. So they're much, much younger than the New Covenant scriptures and certainly the Old Covenant mm. scriptures. So we want to base all of our knowledge and all of our understanding and conclusions on Scripture alone. I should just mention too, and I know I have before, but the reason that the the rabbis and the sages put so much emphasis on their sacred writings is that they say, and, and a lot of Christians will understand this, if you really want to understand what the Scripture says, you need people who are very, very learned in them to be able to interpret them for you. I mean, that's the reason why we have Bible dictionaries and concordances mm-hmm. and commentaries to help us understand. Yeah. And this is what the Jews have for themselves. So they're saying they don't hold the sacred writings as more important than the scripture because they say that the scripture is God's words. But because they don't find it easy to understand the scripture, they say we rely on the rabbis to teach us what it means. So that's where the emphasis comes Mm -hmm. from. A bit like saying this is how Matthew Henry interpreted something in his commentary, so I'm going to rely on that rather than the way that we might uh, read. Exactly. And and I've and to be perfectly honest, sometimes I think, well, Matthew Henry probably knows a lot more about it than I yeah, do. Yeah. But that's not the point. The point is I'm commanded to look and, and say, thank you very much, Matthew Henry, for what yeah. you've just taught me, but now I'm going to go back into the Scripture and study it for mm. myself to be a good Berean. And yeah. I would say that to anybody. You've listened to Mandy and Robbo. You say, thank you very much, guys. Now I'm going to go mm. and search a scriptures myself to see whether you're telling me the truth. That's what we're supposed to do. So, yeah, we finished off last time also looking at the fact that Judaism today is very, very different. Okay, it's very different from what it was like when God originally instructed Moses on how the people should live and what he required of them. Very, very different today. Now, another thing that really shocks a lot of Jewish people when they first become acquainted with the New Covenant 
is how it confirms and reaffirms so much of what they know in the Old Covenant. That's a shock to them because Mm. most Jews are taught, look, we don't have anything to do with the New Testament because it's a Christian book. Yes. We are Jews and we have the Old Testament. That's our book. But when Jews actually do pick up a New Testament and they read it, they kind of go, oh, Oh, this is all about Jews. Yeah, written by Jews. Written by Jews, for Jews. Yeah. And it was Jews who took the gospel to the world. Yeah. You know, it's very Jewish and it's a shock for them. And they're always quoting from the Old Covenant anyway. I mean, even I think of Jesus on that road to Emmaus. He taught them from Moses and the prophets who he was. So he was actually using the Old Covenant to confirm that he was the Messiah. Exactly. Well, there was no New Testament Mm. written by that stage. So it was all Old Covenant scriptures, which Mm. is fabulous. But what we read in the Old Covenant is confirmed in the New. It's not two books. It's one book. Yeah. And so and this is where we learn about Mashiach. In the Old Covenant. That's right. And we get that from a number of scriptures in the Old Covenant. I mean, one which is probably the very first one, Genesis 3.15. God's dealing with Satan as he's proclaiming his curse. And he says to the serpent, I'll put enmity or hatred between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Yes, so that is our very, very first picture that a Messiah is going to come and crush Satan Mm. for what he's done. And born of a woman. just And born of a woman. So that's our first hint. Oh, okay. So he's going to be born of a woman, but maybe not necessarily from a man because it doesn't say. You you have to kind of assume that. Why would you only say born of a woman and not say born of man and woman? Yeah. So there's this hint. That's the first one. So then... You know, we've already spent a little bit of time learning about the prophecy in Isaiah seven fourteen that Mashiach would be born of a virgin. We don't need to go over that again. But I'd, I want to list some more really important criteria for the Mashiach to be able to tick off a few more boxes to be accepted as the anointed one. Well, one that you might want to use in that list is from Micah. Now, obviously, Micah 5, 2 is a very well-known verse. It's often on Christmas cards or incorporated into the Christmas story that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. But verse 3 goes on with some really interesting additional information. So this is verses 2 and 3 of Micah 5. As for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah. Once once again, you get this, this reference to the birth of a child. When she who is in labor has brought forth this child. Mm. What child would that be? Yeah. We're talking about the Mashiach, the Messiah, which was already mentioned in Isaiah 7.14. We always forget this last little bit. How many times did God have to say that this child would be born? And the other really good thing about this verse in Micah, because something was actually really emphasized there that we, we don't always focus on. Yes, he was going to be born in Bethlehem, but here's what else this verse says. It actually says, his going forth... Okay, this is Mashiach, this ruler who's going Mm -hmm. to be coming from Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. We're not talking about a new entity here. We are talking about something divine, eternal. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a son. We're talking about 
God, how could this child be anything but divine if he's going forth from the days of eternity? Yeah, that's true. And again, this then marries in perfectly with Isaiah 9 that I know we have mentioned over and over and over again, but I don't think you can emphasize it enough. Mm. Yeah, well, let's read that again. It's Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Okay, so you've got this hint of a seed that a child that is going to come from the seed of the woman, from the mother's line that's given in Eden. Then we're told that We've mentioned before Isaiah seven fourteen that the virgin will conceive is going to be God with us. And then we hear that this, this child is actually going to be from times eternal and he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Yeah. And when he's born, he's wonderful. He's counselor, <coughs> mighty God, everlasting father. Yeah. I don't know how many more ways God can actually describe who the Messiah is going to be and what he's going to do when he gets here. It's amazing. It certainly is very amazing. And we're only partway through this part of the study on the right Messiah. We're going to continue it next time as we continue to unpack the understanding of just who is the right Messiah, which one should we be following. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.